sequence time. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running, commit, liftoff. Hello and welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join our discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-SWAT. That's 1-844-777-7928. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. Doug, how'd it go yesterday? Went good, Brad came in and sat in for you and uh did a good job uh did a really good job just uh good catching up with him uh kind of talking through uh we talked uh about scheffler winning because you know brad's a big golfer Mm -hmm. and uh i still think scheffler just was unbelievably composed for a 25 year old throughout Mm. the whole thing just uh well one thing that uh it was very obvious as you were listening to them talk about his dad went up to him and told him, you know, son, I care more about your character than the golf score. And I'm proud of you. Mm. You know, I just thought that was really, really a, a good quote. They talked about his faith the whole time. So we kind of talked about that yesterday a little bit. And then everything going on with, uh, the woke, uh, I, we, we discussed, you remember that thing you sent me about the Episcopal priest who, did the modern retelling of the prodigal oh, son yeah the trans version yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy uh you know um it, it was just really crazy so we kind of beat that up a little bit yesterday but um hey um i, I wanted to let people know that uh, you know governor DeSantis uh yesterday signed a bill which really um it it, it it supports fatherhood. Mm-hmm. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah. Fatherhood in the sense of, um, I mean, he had a bunch of guys around him and had Tony Dungy up there. And um, Tony uh, mentioned a, a ministry guy who was really impactful to him. But one of the things that came out when the, the news was covering it was a stat um, that uh, fatherless homes, Taylor, account for 60 three percent of youth suicides oh wow i didn't know that 90 percent of runaways or homeless youth come from a fatherless home that's nine out of every 10 mm-hmm. and then 70 percent of ju- juveniles in 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 state institutions seven out of every 10 come from a fatherless home and so um kudos to him i mean you know, he just keeps rocking on. I mean, thank goodness in the free state of Florida, we have a good leader who cares about the family. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw uh, Al Mohler's article this morning. He uh, was talking about the the natural family versus the nuclear family and how years ago there was apparently an article in uh, the New York Times that came out where they were talking about um, destroying the nuclear family. Like that, that was their objective. And, um, and he, he, uh, Al Mohler kind of took that on this morning and kind of talked about that. And I thought, I thought it was really good. Some of the things he said, it, it was, um, just talking about how the way God made the family to function is for a man and a woman to enter into a oneness together and reproduce 
and stay in community mm-hmm. and really with their family as they grow and keep speaking because Deuteronomy says teach it to your kids and your grandkids the Shema and, mm-hmm. and so there's this expectation there in God's economy that we continue to speaking into the lives of our children's children and on uh, but if everybody's blowing away from their family and not staying connected it's a bad thing and uh, and and so he was talking about that but um, I think the lady that wrote the article is a lady named Jessica Gross, and um, she writes that over 20 years ago, a sociologist gave a lecture in which he predicted that multi-generational bonds would be ascendant in the 21st century. Um, this guy spent apparently a decade studying generations of 300 different families out in California and uh, and basically said that it's it's a good thing that the nuclear family model is um, going away. Mm-hmm. And so if you just look around now at the number of single moms, the number of uh, um, people that are trying to – listen, um, throughout the Bible we, we hear about orphans being uh, adopted and we see that as a good thing, but – but when you have uh, homosexual and lesbian couples that are directly against God's design for family, um, and you know, I, I, it's just it, we live in a very, very strange time now where parents aren't even being allowed to uh, input into their kids' uh, truth because if they tell them that it's wrong for you to uh, try to adopt a lifestyle saying that you're something that you're biologically not, that's considered hateful and damaging. And um, and so I, I thought that was good articles. You might want to go to the briefing and really look. He, he, he really devotes a lot of time to it this morning. I thought he did a really good job of looking at it from a Christian worldview. And, uh, you know, I was talking to you before we came on air about uh, – Disney stock is down about 10% from when they did this big woke thing about going against DeSantis. And, um, you know, DeSantis keeps going on. I remember back in the, uh, when the pandemic first started, everybody was hating on DeSantis saying how crazy he was, how foolish people were laughing at him, the media and everybody. And look at all the people that have flocked to Florida so much. So, that it's insane on 295 Butler Boulevard <laughs> down here now, isn't it? Yeah, you know, actually, funny that you mentioned that. I was uh, in a, I, I had a meeting that I went to earlier this morning, and there's two guys there moved, uh, one in January, one last uh, July, from New York down to uh, Florida because of how crazy things are. And uh, that was kind of the first, for me, like real-life instance of, oh, wow, yeah, except for seeing all the license plates, but actually talking to people who, uh, came down here and they said, yeah, New York's going crazy. And, um, you know, you mentioned that there's a rise in single uh, parent or single motherhood. And, you know, I think you're wrong on that, Doug. I think there's a rise in <laughs> the state being the stepdaddy. Of, well, that's you know true I mean? also. No, I I agree with you there. I, 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 they they want to come in and, and direct everything. And that's what makes this, you know, you mentioned being uh, supportive of widows and orphans. This that's what makes this difference. This is a systematic effort to divorce 
and destroy the family, to divorce the child from his father um, and have the state come in and be the father. I heard one person say that Uncle Sam is now uh, uh, stepdaddy Sam. You know what I mean? And that's and that's what we're seeing a rise of the incentivizing of of uh, single motherhood. And then the state comes in and takes the bill and then the state raises the child through the education system. And that's why you see, you know, 95 percent of those who are incarcerated never, you know, never knew their father or had an absentee father. Well, I mean, and statistics pretty much play out and and give you good evidence that the studies have shown that when fathers are involved in their children's life, that there's uh, benefits that are you can't deny the statistics. Children are less likely to be abused or neglected. Uh, they have fewer psychological and behavioral. It doesn't mean that there's not some, but as a general rule, they're going to be less likely to have behavioral and psychological issues. Um, and that flies so- in the face of really what the, the media or what the culture really says about fatherhood. Um, they look at masculinity and men as a danger and, uh, and so they look at a father as a danger to the kids. And what do they highlight? You know, the drunken father who's absentee in spirit, if not in body, and who, you know, assaults and beats his, his family. And that's not the norm. Or it, and even if it was, that's not the picture of what the Bible says a father should be and do. And, and to, uh, the benefits that you talk about come from biblical fatherhood. Well, right now there's 18 million children, according to the last census, without a father in the home mm. 18 million i mean i just think of that's a pretty staggering number uh right now and what this bill does is it's it's going to provide funding to give a wide spectrum of of support uh, through the De- department of juvenile justice and children and families to try to provide mentors and father figures to come in and speak into young men's life. You know, it's it's been a privilege uh, to speak into young men's life that God's given me to do other than my own children at times. And to see a difference it makes, Taylor, just to watch them respond uh, and to really, they're hungry. They're hungry for that. I think young men especially are hungry for that uh, older male um, person to speak in and i'm I'm not talking about a leah thomas male either (laughs) i'm talking about an xx male who like you so often espouse uh exhibits manhood Mm -hmm. in the biblical sense of manhood where paul says act like men take responsibility act like a man you know there's going to be a time, Taylor, coming up where even saying that phrase from the Bible, a direct quote from the Bible, is going to be something that gets you in trouble. No, there's plenty of direct quotes from the Bible that get you in <laughs> well, trouble right true. now. No, that's true. But that's one that's uh, you know so self-evident even in today's world that it's going to be a surprise to a lot of people when it, it does become an issue when you say something like that. And you know, I, I think you're right about uh, young men want to know what it means to be a man, what it looks like to be a man and want to be initiated into manhood and, and are looking for someone to come and show them what to do, which way to go, you know, well, how to walk in the ancient path. Well, I'm I'm thankful, and I know my mom and dad listen, that my dad taught me the value of a good work ethic and mm-hmm. worked my tail off even when I didn't want it. I'm sure your guy did it too. Oh, yes. Yes, he did. All right. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more after the break. 
This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. David Crowder with All My Hope. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us, uh, this week we are looking at Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 41, finishing up the chapter. Uh, how did yesterday go, Doug? What'd you guys? How far did you guys get? No, we got through the first uh, part of it. Um, we got through uh, relational encouragers and, you know, vulnerable to minimizing the truth mm. was one of the principles. And I'll go over the principles again as we looked at how Barnabas kind of compromised with Peter um, and didn't stand up against the Judaizers in Antioch. Mm. And uh, Paul did. Paul uh, did that. But, hey, before we jump in there, I meant to say this because, you know, Milk's favorite cookie, the Oreo, (laughs) has gone woke. Did you see that? Yeah. They released a, a video about a guy coming out. I, it's just like, can people just make their product? Just put out a cookie, man. Now they're going to taint the cookie. I don't want to eat an Oreo now, which is probably a good thing. Probably yeah. save me a few pounds, right? right? Yeah, well, you know, that's uh, they're showing their allegiance to the new religion. Uh, it is. It is a, absolutely yeah. a new religion. And, and that's really what they're signaling, uh, where they stand in that. And I think, you know, you've seen a lot of companies do it, and I think you're going to see a lot more do it. As uh, the culture shifts and this younger generation uh, grows up even more apostate. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just think it's, as you look at it, I mean, you know, they, they can make a film like that. They can support what any company can. But I can tell you, I don't want to eat Oreo now. It just mm. makes me go, you know, it just is, it puts me off. It's like Ren Collective. I'm just like... You know, if you want to make that choice instead of just focus on what you're supposed to do, um, you know, I, I, I just, it's just, it was really upsetting to me, but maybe it's a good upsetting. Maybe it, it'll save me a few calories in the long run. So. Yeah. And, you know, it really should be something, you know, if this happened, you know, to even maybe 20 years ago, if someone, if a company did that, man, that'd be the end of that company. It, but it, they would. The it culture would. has changed to such a degree that 
they can put that out, even if that's not the majority. And also, there's such a large market share and big name ID that they feel. Well, look at Disney. Yeah. I I really believe that the large majority of people that work at Disney do not support what Disney is doing and their stance. Last week, a a, a leak. There was a leak of you know uh, Disney people who work at Disney. I guess their internal channels talking about really being in support of. Uh, the DeSantis bill. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. So anyway, well, we're in Acts chapter 15 and we, we've kind of, we're finishing up this week. And by the way, uh, we will be replaying a couple of um, uh, broadcasts on uh, Thursday and Friday. Um, we had such a positive response last week. I think it was last week. It may have been the week before to John Mazel who was, uh, I worked with John for years at East West Ministries. I and, that was the week before. Yeah, and so we, we, we played John, uh, an interview with John from um, uh, this a couple of years ago. I went back in the archives and found the first interview John did, and um, it is really a good interview, and I think you'll be blessed. John is a great evangelist, and... Um, uh, it's from 2017, our yeah. first year. And so that's going to be on Thursday. And then Friday, we're going to replay Jay Warner Wallace, who wrote a book called Cold Case Christianity on really the proof yeah. that Jesus was who he said he was. And so uh, he's going to be the guest replay on Friday. Friday's Good Friday, obviously. So we're going to take off here tomorrow as, uh, uh, our Thursday is going to be off as well as we replay John. Because I just, I was going to call John and ask him, but th- he did such a good job on this interview uh, that I really was hoping to bring it back out because we play a couple of clips of things. So that's Thursday and Friday of this week. If you're around, uh, you'll want to tune in for that. Um, it is Easter week. Uh, as we go into even looking at Acts chapter 15, it would have never happened without the resurrection. And I think that's something that we need to really uh, keep in mind and maybe reflect on this week. Like Paul says, it's everything's of no value if he wasn't resurrected. I mean, without the cross, uh, none of this matters. Uh, it's just people doing religious activity. And so if um, I'm going to be teaching tomorrow uh, on uh, we're taking a break from Acts at SWAT. So if you would like to come for an annual visit, hmm. uh, I know Easter's called the usual annual visit at churches. People that never go to church usually go Christmas and Easter. But uh, at Woody's Barbecue in the morning and um, uh, here at the Salem Center at noon. And if you're a woman, at 10 o'clock a.m. in the morning, Lori is out of town and has asked me, to sub and teach for mm-hmm. her so i'll be sharing that with women at 10 o'clock so if you're a female and you want to come be encouraged by god's word at 10 a.m tomorrow at the salem center and then i'll be teaching the men at noon and then thursday at uh jumping jack's house of food at 6 30 and then swat zoom on thursday night if you want to tune into that send me an email at doug at swat radio.com i'll send you a link and then friday on Good Friday at Village Inn down in St. Augustine. Um, just a quick review. What's going on in Acts chapter 15? Paul and Barnabas had made their first missionary journey and returned. 
only to be confronted with it. Judaizers who were telling people, hey, you can't be a believer unless you've been circumcised. They get into an argument with them and defending the truth of the gospel and the purity of the gospel. And the church at Antioch says, hey, we need to go to Jerusalem to seek wisdom from our leaders there, the people who, the apostles and elders there. Paul and Barnabas goes up there, and when they get there, they uh, end up taking um, they end up taking uh, uh, Titus, who was a Greek and an uncircumcised Greek, and they go up there. They get uh, really feedback from the council that says there's no need for circumcision, no need for keeping the law. Only don't eat food sacrificed to idols, food that's strangled, food that is um, had the lifeblood still in it, and abstain from sexual immorality. And so they're like, okay, that's great. So Judas and Silas from Jerusalem, leading brothers there, go back with them with this letter to take back to the church at Antioch to put to rest this issue of legalism, at least uh, right now in Antioch. And when they get back there, Paul and Barnabas continue teaching, and they decide, Paul says, hey, we need to go back and check on all these people we shared the gospel with, all these churches we planted, and do some follow-up. And we talked about that yesterday. And um, we went through verses 37, and uh, well, well, actually, we just started with 36, and that covered 36 and 37 and 38, looking primarily at Barnabas as a relational encourager who is vulnerable to minimizing truth for the sake of relationship. And he's a archetype of that, somebody who exemplifies that, who is so relational that when he went to Antioch or when Peter went to Antioch, Barnabas compromised in Galatians 2, and we covered that yesterday, and Paul had to confront both Peter and Barnabas. Why could Paul do that? Because he was a very dogmatic leader. Truth was truth, and he didn't compromise. Well, in the same way that relational encouragers are vulnerable to minimizing truth, dogmatic leaders are vulnerable to chewing people up and spitting them out because of the truth. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the mission-drivenness of their focus allows them to discard people that are valuable in the kingdom. Because uh, different perspectives are not necessarily bad. That was the third principle. Different mission strategies and philosophies aren't bad. Diverse people need each other's strength. And so today we're going to fo- focus primarily on that aspect, on dogmatic people. And we're gonna, I'm going to have you read the text again, Acts 15, 36 through 41, just for those who might be tuning in. And we're looking at Paul and Barnabas and the split that happened at the end of Acts 15. All right. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with him one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Uh, yeah, yeah, gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So um, so Paul and Barnabas split, 
And and where we were yesterday, we kind of looked at Barnabas. And just I, I want to remind you of some things we really didn't get into about Barnabas. We really focused on his vulnerability yesterday. But if you go back to Acts 4, we know that Barnabas was a wealthy Levite from Cyprus. If you owned land in Cyprus, you were wealthy because it was a very fertile place. Vineyards, figs, all kinds of good stuff there. If you own land there, uh, you were fairly wealthy. But you know what's interesting is he was a Levite, and I believe Levites weren't supposed to own land, were they? Ah, hmm. What happened? Something happened because God had kind of said, I'm your portion to the Levites. But I know that got relaxed along the way. And it was outside of Israel. Does that make a difference? No, it it, it was outside of Israel, but the, the point was, that he was their portion. Mm-hmm. And and Barnabas, to his credit, what did he do? He laid it down and said, listen, I don't care about material things. He sold it. He brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. He was a giving man. But also notice in Acts 9 that when all the apostles and the disciples in Jerusalem discounted this guy named Saul who was killing people, there was one guy who risked his life and reputation to bring this guy into the fold, and it was Barnabas. I mean, think about it. I mean, there were still orphans and widows who probably were orphans and widows because Saul either put their husbands or fathers in jail or killed them. And that would have been very difficult. And God used Barnabas to give the church the greatest missionary and theologian that we've had other than Jesus. And um, and so when we come back, I want to continue looking at Barnabas. And, uh, and then we're going to look at Paul and how God used this dogmatic leader to really, I mean, he was vulnerable there to discounting Barnabas, who God really used in some great ways. Right. All right. So stick with us. We will be back with more after the news. Before we go, we'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Ace Door and Window, as well as a special thanks to our sponsors, Tom Neal Trucking, and a special thanks to our sponsor, Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug, D-O-U-G, at SWATradio.com. You can also download our SWAT app in the App Store, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle that is at SWAT Radio Talk. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We will be back with more after the news. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing. Stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be all right. That was Even If by Mercy Me. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 41 this week. If you've missed any of this program or you missed yesterday where we started looking at uh, this selection of scripture, you can go to www.swatradio.com. Click on the past programs link. There you'll be able to find 
our full catalog of programs, including this one, in just about an hour or so. Again, that is the past programs link at www.swatradio.com. Okay, Taylor, so we're looking at Barnabas, and he was a godly man. In fact, if if you take Galatians out of the Bible, you, you would... Really, there, there'd be nothing, nothing negative said about him. I mean, because one to take John Mark was just a philosophical thing. But I think what God does in Acts 15 and even Galatians 2 is he lets us see the vulnerability of people, the humanness of people. Sometimes we miss. But Barnabas was a good man. He was a godly man. Uh, in fact, Acts 11 Remember when uh, the apostles and elders said, listen, we got to send somebody up to Antioch to make sure these people are orthodox, make sure they're doing things the right way. Who's a good man? Who's full of faith? Who's full of the spirit? Oh, okay, let's send Barnabas. So they send him up there. Once he gets up there, he realizes, wait, this is bigger than me. I, I'm, I'm really, I'm more of a behind the scenes guy. I'm kind of a encourager. Uh, this, somebody needs to be teaching these people who's strong and their beliefs. I know I'll go get Saul. So he goes to Tarsus knowing that Paul's a dogmatic guy, knowing he's a dogmatically and strong leader, knowing he's forceful, knowing also that when he brings Paul in, what's going to happen to his influence? Diminished. It's going to be diminished in the sense of a public influence, right? But he does it anyway. That tells you something about Barnabas. And then in Acts 15, he goes on the missionary. I'm sorry, on Acts um, uh, 13 and 14, he goes and he bleeds with Paul over in Galatia as he goes through the Taurus Mountains. He does all these things. And when Paul gets stoned, he's right there to help him with the other disciples, bring him back. And they go through all the cities. When he gets back and they're bringing this... um, perversion of the gospel in acts 15 2 he stands right beside paul defending the gospel so i mean he's risked his life with him he's defended uh and been in fights and arguments with him as by his side almost like batman and robin and now and now they have a difference of opinion and what happens uh, that that's Barnabas. Barnabas is a gentle soul, but he's an encourager. Now let's look at Paul. Paul, Acts 9 says, was a chosen instrument in Acts 9, 15 and 16. Remember, God said, this is my chosen instrument. I'm going to use him to reach kings, to go and, and take the gospel to the Gentiles. Um, over in Acts chapter 9, and verse 22, uh, it says that it says that. Um, but Saul increased all the more in strength and con- confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Yeah, he confounded him. I mean, the Jews by proving Jesus was the Christ. I mean, he just he starts off. This is not like after years and years of study. This is. He'd already been well-versed in the Old Testament text. And over in Acts 9, 28, it says, He went out among them, in and out, preaching boldly in the name of Jesus. So 
He he is a bold proclaimer of the gospel. And in Galatians 2, which we read about Peter and Barnabas, think about it from Paul's perspective. I want you to think for a second um, you having to confront somebody who's almost like a spiritual father to you, how hard that would be, how difficult that would be. And yet he did it in such a way that Peter over in second Peter three says, this is our brother, our beloved brother, Paul, but make no mistake. He was a very black and white guy. And in verse 39, it says they had a sharp disagreement. Acts fifteen thirty nine. The word there is paroxymos, and it's only used two other times in the New Testament, and it means to provoke or irritate. Hmm. I mean, dogmatic people get the most heated about mission-minded decisions, like things that are very mission-focused. That's where they get the hottest, where because they're very focused on not failing. Right, they they don't want to fail, and it says they separated. They just separated, and that was a big deal. I mean, it was a huge deal. You've got these guys that have been friends and co-laborers for fifteen years. That's a long time to be invested in the ministry together, and now they they they've separated, and it says that Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. He took John Mark, and he went to Cyprus. Where was he from, by the way? Cyprus. So he went home. Mm-hmm. That's all it says about him. We don't we don't hear another word about him. Paul references him over in uh, 1 Corinthians 9, where he kind of commends him, but you don't hear another word about Barnabas. He just goes off the scene. And I wonder, uh, so we know he was faithful because of what Paul said over in 1 Corinthians 9. But it it still had to be an incredibly awkward moment for both of them. Have you ever had anything like that happen? Anything, somebody you were really, really, really close to and in an intense argument, not over biblical purity, not over immorality, just over style of choice or, or your philosophy of, of strategy? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I guess my brother, you know, me and him butt heads sometimes, but not yeah. to the to the extent that this seems to, as it was, you know. <laughs> I, yeah, don't, don't, nothing that I can recall that was like draining like that. Yeah, so, I mean, that's what's going on. And it says in verse 40, but Paul chose silas and departed he didn't take silas with him sometimes when we read this people think well they just left well where was silas you remember where he was in jerusalem yeah he went back to jerusalem and so when paul left he left alone he didn't have his traveling companion barnabas with him he might uh well i don't even know if he had titus with him at this point because it says and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. But notice what it says before that. It says, Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Now, if you flip back at the end of chapter 14, read verse 26. 
It's talking about Paul and Barnabas returning to Antioch. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. It's the same wording, right? Mm -hmm. Well, notice who it talks about with that wording here. It's Paul. It's not Barnabas. And some people believe that that's a little bit of an indicator that maybe the church sided with Paul on this matter. But it's not enough to really drive a deep, you know, stake into on this. Because um, could, could it also have been that Barnabas was going home and he wasn't going out on mission? Yeah, but why was he going home? Yeah. You know, that's the question. But I'm saying I mean, they and, probably wouldn't have commended him to the work of the Lord if he wasn't going to go do the if well, he was just going home. Right? That's right. But But what I'm saying is Paul did the work. Right. Barnabas didn't take John Mark and go do the work at that point. Right. He went home, as far as we know. Now, what was the real issue over? Well, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark as a future leader. He wanted to encourage him because he had failed, probably. Wasn't John Mark also his cousin? He was his cousin, Colossians 4 says. But Paul says, no, I can't make a future leader out of this guy who deserted us, who beat feet. He goes, um, I, I can't do this. Remember that young guy, Timothy Barnabas? That, that's a guy who's going to be a leader. He's a leader. He's somebody we can focus on. Not, not. I mean, we've already given him a chance. You can almost hear the conversation going back and forth. Barnabas saying, wait a minute, Paul. Remember you? You remember what you did? You were killing Christians. And, uh, and he, you know, you can just hear the back and forth until they get to the point. It says they had such a sharp disagreement, they split. And it's just a really, it, it's kind of an awkward moment. Um, commentators, I think it's instructive that the writer, Luke, doesn't pick sides. Um, God doesn't really say either one of them was in sin. I've heard pastors on both sides of the issue accuse the other one of being in sin. Um, Barnabas was, you know, in sin for wanting to take him. And Paul was in sin for not being gracious, but doesn't say that in Scripture. So you have to be very careful of what we ascribe to the authority of Scripture and what we don't. All we know is that we can, we can say that relational encouragers are vulnerable to minimizing truth for the sake of relationship. Have you ever had that happen? You ever had somebody tell you, well, listen, you know, do you want to be right, Taylor, or do you want to be in relationship? Well, yeah. I've yeah. heard people mm -hmm. say that a lot. And the issue is, if if the right is about God's word and truth, um, that's not one thing you want to compromise on. Because that's where Peter and Barnabas compromised in Galatians 2. But if it's over methodology, over philosophy of ministry, that's a different thing. And so Paul says, I can't do this. I can't take him. He's not a future leader. And he felt so strongly that we see a split. But God took the split right out of Romans eight twenty eight, and he made something good happen because eventually we see Paul saying, hey, Colossians 4, welcome, John Mark. Second Timothy 4, when he's in prison, get Mark and bring him. He's useful to me for ministry. That's That's a 
very, very encouraging word that God put later in his word to say, hey, John Mark did come around. And even what he wrote about uh, Barnabas in 1 Corinthians 9, 6, Barnabas is a fellow committed guy. He stayed faithful. Yeah. So that's good. That's encouraging. So. All right. So stick with us. We'd like to give a shout out to our listeners listening in Virginia at the Lighthouse, as well as in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER, as well as all of our local listeners, 91.7 in Jacksonville, 91.9 in St. Augustine, and 91.3 in Folkestone, Georgia, as well as all of you who are listening online, wherever you are in the country or around the world. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.astore.com. broken sky traced out by the city lights my world from a mile high best seat in the house tonight touchdown in the cold black top hold on for the sudden stop breathing the familiar shock of confusion and chaos that is give me your eyes by brandon heath welcome back to swat radio if you are just joining us we are looking at acts chapter 15 verses 36 through 41 today focusing mainly on verses 38 and 39 if you have any questions or would like to join the discussion please call us at 1-844-777-SWAT that's 1-844-777-7928 or you can email us at ask at swatradio.com that's ask ask at swatradio.com uh, I just want to go to 1 Corinthians 9 real quick. When Paul is talking about his rights as an apostle and as a worker, um, and just the context is he says, do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles and the brothers of our Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? He ser- who serves as a soldier at his own expense. And he goes on. So he uses Barnabas there as a positive example, saying, you know, he's a, he's a faithful guy. And I think it's easy for people to kind of write off one or the other. It's take sides on this issue. Uh, same with Martha and Mary. You know, well, Mary was the right one because she was sitting, or Martha was the wrong one because she was working. And instead missed the the whole point of what's going on here is that the scriptures doesn't really speak other than that little 
having been commended, talking about Paul being commended, but he was commended as he went to do the work, like you said. So um, uh, tomorrow on the program, what we're going to do is we're going to look at this and we're going to we're going to talk about this in the context of our time period. Like what is what is this philosophy these things look like where you know people have different mission strategies and others we're going to we're going to look at that but the big takeaway for yesterday and today is that relational encouragers are vulnerable to minimizing truth for the sake of relationship and dogmatic leaders are vulnerable to discarding kingdom people for their view of a mission driven strategy and, and that's really the big takeaways so I'm welcome to take calls. I mean, people can call in if they have any questions or would like to comment because I, I think it's a really good text for us to to ponder over as believers because, listen, there's arguments and splits in churches all the time over things like carpet color, hmm. literally over what color the hymn book is or what color the choir robes are. And, you know, it's, I think we, we got to be careful not to demonize those we have a philosophical disagreement with. And keep in mind, I'm talking philosophical mm-hmm. or strategy, not a biblical moral issue. Can like, I ask you a question? Yeah, go ahead. Why do they care about the choir robes? Is there like some... Because to me that seems like there's maybe too much estrogen in the in the party there. You know what I mean? But is there some? <laughs> well, is there something more uh, well, to it? You know that they it, actually well, have meaning. Actually, I know pastors who've been told that they may have. You know that they wear worldly ties. Oh, wow. I'm serious. <laughs> uh, I mean, like people. Some people just want something to um, to complain about. You know. Yeah. Um. You know, because like for 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 instance, there's people who. You know, there's real disagreement about if uh, the Lord's Supper, the table, you know, that holds it, whether it has four legs or two. Or, you know, there's because then oh, that's an altar. That's a table. If you're having it as an altar, then that. What about and so there, wh- what about leaven or no leaven? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I mean, really, you know, we people serve bread today that is just regular bread. Right. And I, I think. Personally, we miss out on a teaching point of having unleavened bread to say leaven was always symbolic of sin. Mm. Yeah. And, and and as a reminder, you know, but 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 see, there's something deeper that goes into those uh, those differences. <laughs> right. Whereas the color of the robes, like as far as I can see, I don't maybe there's something I don't know that, you know, they mean something different because I mean, <laughs> I think the Catholic way of doing things, the priest wears different colors for different <laughs> seasons. So I don't know. Maybe there's something to do with that. But. Uh, just my my offshoot was thinking, come on, man. <laughs> That's just my thoughts, though. Well, I but but there are issues sometimes that are really divisive that relate to church discipline or mm-hmm. to like for instance, I remember there was a time where there was a pastor who committed adultery, and he had been having an ongoing affair with another staff member at the church which is, is not uncommon, unfortunately. Mm. Um, part of the church said, well, we can either be judgmental and require him to leave and resign, or we can show him grace 
and allow him to stay. I'm, I'm not. I kid you not. That was the that was the the mindset. There there was this idea that if you hold people accountable, that you're being judgmental and non gracious. That's a very prevalent mindset. I mean, I see you laughing over there, but it's there's a lot of people who think that to hold someone accountable is judgmental. I, to me, that I, I, that seems almost like that's a that focus. That's more of a biblical worldview matter because you could make the argument that by you know being a pastor and acting in that way that's contrary to what God uh, designs and calls for. You're taking the Lord's name in vain. You know, you're breaking. Yeah. Uh, the commandment there like and then also what are the qualities of a of a elder like yeah. uh, i don't know if you fit that qualification anymore but well here here's the thing somebody who <laughs> this is just one example all right let's say you're a bank teller and you're caught stealing money from the bank mm. you're a believer and then, and you've been part of a Bible study in that bank. They've met there in the mornings, and you've been part of that Bible study. You were tight on money. You stole some money. And now you're caught. The bank president of that local bank is a Christian who leads your Bible study. And you can be forgiven, but that doesn't mean he's going to employ you <laughs> as his teller at that bank anymore. Yeah. And in the same way, pastors can be forgiven, but that doesn't mean they have to be restored to being a senior pastor. Doesn't mean they can't minister as kingdom priest, as witnesses of God's grace, as witnesses of, of being people who can tell others about Jesus. But I personally believe that if you commit an act of adultery as a senior you know as a pastor on staff or whatever that uh you lose the above reproach mm. aspect of it we, we all are sinful people we all struggle we all fail but you know when you when you're a senior pastor of a church a, a shepherd or when you're the the lead elder or you're when you're the teacher i i think there is a i don't know there's just a, a respect for that position that it becomes hard to have that uh, not be tainted when you've committed adultery that's why i think what's happened with hillsong is so bad you know because it just taints it and it doesn't mean that these people can't be forgiven but it just means that to go back into that that's a privileged position of service and and it requires to be above reproach mm -hmm. in the sense of I love what Spurgeon said. Somebody asked Charles Spurgeon one time, can a pastor who is asked to leave because of sin, like adultery, be restored? And he said, when his reputation for brokenness exceeds the reputation for the scandal, then maybe he can be restored. Yeah, and that was something I was going to bring up if you thought that there was a – you know, from when it sounded like it was like, oh, we forgive him and let him go on without any sort of break. It, to me, someone who is like truly repentant would obviously say, I can't feel this function anymore. And then my thought is, oh, maybe they, if if someone had truly, you know, been broken enough um, to be worthy of uh, being restored, would they want to if they were, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, uh, well, I don't know. 
Uh, so I was going to ask if you thought that there was a time period with enough um, showing of brokenness that, you know, in true I, repentance. I, I, I here, Here's the thing. James 3 says, not many of you should become teachers. Why? Um, for you know those who teach will be judged with a greater strictness, mm-hmm. right? Well, Ephesians says sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. So it's different if that was your life before Christ, God brings you into repentance like Paul, and you have a life change. It's something else if you're living that life as a servant of the Most High God and you compromise and, um, you know, you, you, you compromise. Paul says in Timothy, it's a, no, it's a noble task. And a noble task requires noble character. Um, and, and that's why, to me, if it, it, it would seem that somebody who f- fell in that way and was truly repentant and had gone through the work of restoring his marriage and his family would then have a, a noble character to say, you know what, that's not my place anymore. That's not for me. You know, so that that would be my thought on it. But well, one one guy said that if you know if 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 he's committed adultery, why also at the same time teaching the flock? He's uh, been a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. He's um, you know he's he's not been truthful, so he's been a liar. Uh, he has uh, not been sober in the way he's thought about life. Uh, he's not lived a holy life. So there's a lot of things there. So that's different, though, than philosophical strategy issues. And yep. that's Paul and Barnabas argued over that. So tomorrow we're going to look at that brought forward into our culture and our time, what that looks like practically. But just keep in mind, we don't demonize people just because we differ on philosophy or ministry strategy. All right. That's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to SWAT Radio. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a great day. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening